0: Hey everyone, this is Visager, the composer from Blossom Tales, The Sleeping King, and you're listening to Cat with Monocle Podcast.
1: Welcome to the third episode of Cat With Monaco's podcast. Today we have Josie Bruckner from Visigur Music, who is also the composer of Blossom Tales, The Sleeping King. How are you, Josie? I'm doing great, Seth. Thanks so much for having me on. No problem. So what is new around the uh, parks of music?
0: Um, well, I'm based out of New York and, uh, things out here have been pretty low key. Um, it's kind of in the U.S. right now, we're heating up for conference season, um, so that means GDC for me, which is coming up just next week. Um, I'm also participating this year in Train Jam, which is like an annual 48-hour video game jam that takes place on a train from Chicago to San Francisco. Oh. Um, yeah, it's going to be like really crazy, I think. I don't know. Um, kind of like Hogwarts Expressy y uh, people sleeping around in the different cars. It's like the whole train,
1: so. Right. Um, so, yeah. What kind of music would you be playing on this uh, Slav? a forty? How long at forty-eight hour? Forty-eight hours, yeah. Uh, so uh,
0: the way it's supposed to work, and I haven't done it myself, so this is only what I've heard from other folks, is that we'll you know be divided into small teams, kind of like a traditional game jam. Like you know, these happen pretty frequently throughout the year in different places, but uh-huh. small teams of like maybe four to six or so, um, and then we'll just make a game while we're offline on the train, and then. Some of the games will will be shown at GDC here in San Francisco when we get there. Oh, cool! So,
1: what kind of uh, you know? For my me asking, what kind of uh, scores are you planning on you know playing at this uh, event? Uh,
0: That well, I'll I'll be writing stuff in real time, so it'll be definitely electronic because I'll just have my laptop and a small keyboard. Okay. Um, So it'll be you know simple stuff. Like I think a lot of these games. Because you're doing them so quickly, turn out to be smaller in scope. Mm -hmm. Um, So, like, it would be like one track or two tracks per game. You know, nothing, nothing too too ambitious.
1: Right, right, right. So I assume you're gonna play a couple tracks from Blossom Tales. Um, no, no, no. So we're actually just making all new stuff. New stuff. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh Okay. How how hard is it to come up with something on the fly? Um,
0: well, it's kind of nice because, like, in these environments there's very little pressure to make something that's like good or um listenable like it's about experimentation so uh when it comes down to it like the lack of pressure i think makes it in some ways easier than when you're trying to like meet the demands of a client or anything like that
1: yeah i would i would think the other way around i would think that uh doing something on the fly because you're, you're you're playing in front of you know quite a few people aren't you
0: oh well actually so we'll be sitting around it's uh, I think maybe you're imagining like a weird, you know, like live improvisation kind of deal, but yeah. we're actually going to be sitting kind of like on our own laptops, like coding or I'll be composing by myself basically, you okay. know, and then I'll be making something in a couple hours and then bringing it back to the team and then we'll sort of share and
1: discuss from there. So it's like very low stress, okay. very
0: low key. Yeah, it should be just, just a good time.
1: Yeah, that actually, that's actually a lot different than I imagined it was was going to be. I was yeah. thinking of like this. There's this big party on the train. Everybody's having a good time yeah. for 48 hours. Yeah, like
0: we're all like cruise together, <laughs> and like I'm up on stage in like the cruise like theater or something like
1: that. No, it's going to be really chill. I think. Nice, huh? Never thought that something like that actually exists, but that's pretty cool. So yeah. you've done, and I, I mean, I don't know if anybody is aware of this though, is that you've actually helped create the track for Cat with Monocles podcast and. Not like that though, but also the uh, the cat noises as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was really actually uh, touched that
0: you reached out after you wrote about Blossom Tales and brought me on. That was like a super fun little project to sort of keep me going and give mm. me something to do in like a a slow time. January is kind of slow, so that was perfect.
1: Yeah, and I know we went through when we talked. You said I had up to three revisions. And it was really hard to even like after hearing the first one I'm like, wow, this is really good. I mean, like, I don't know if I how much I'm gonna change because it just it was really good. you <laughs> kind of pressure, and you're like, nope, make another change. I'm oh. like, okay, pressure's on. So I remember um, thinking about it a little bit more and then the more I thought about it, it's like, well, let's just add some more beat in the maybe in the beginning. Because the way it kind of like faded off was really nice. And oh, thanks. Oh yeah. And So when you did that, uh, and I started to play it, I mean, I had my, my two little ones were just dancing or just staring at the screen, like mesmerized. And then my wife comes in the other room and she says, this sounds like a Japanese morning talk show. (laughs) And I chuckled and I said, well, then this works.
0: Yeah, yeah, you you said that to me in an email, and like that's like I think the best compliment I could ever get about anything. So I was pretty stoked to hear that from you and from your <laughs> wife too. No,
1: I think sometimes I swear I think sometimes my wife can be a little hard to please, but if she says that, <laughs> that's really good. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> so, how many requests do you get from people about making you know a track, or has that, or has there been a lot recently since Blossom Tales?
0: Um, so. I think the the short answer is not that much um, or like I haven't heard from so many people, mm-hmm. you know, for, for job opportunities or gigs. And I think that's to be expected. Um, uh, so I was actually just getting some really good advice from Ryan Ike. He's a composer for games and I think he does some film stuff too, but um, just did the soundtrack for where the water tastes like wine. And he was, you know, relating to me the story of his first game where, uh, he you know it had it had some success and got a lot of press and he thought he could just sort of like ride on that to the next project but um he kind of realized that you do have to be putting in a lot of the groundwork and networking mm-hmm. to be able to convert those opportunities or like those those moments where a bit of a sh- spotlight is being shown on you to you know your next project like that's that's something that takes some some time and energy and so i'm in kind of like a incubating phase i guess right now where I'm just trying to meet a lot of different developers and just be excited about other people's work in the scene and mm-hmm. connect with folks and make more genuine friends, um, which is like something that's happened to me in a big way over like the last year, and it feels really awesome. And so I'm just trying to be like stoked about where I'm at right now and not worry too much about the fact that like I'm still in between projects.
1: Right, and this is where the GDC comes into play, right? totally yeah so like the game developers
0: conference happens yearly out in San Francisco and that's a pretty huge networking opportunity for many people mm-hmm. but I'm, um, you know it, you never want to be that person who's just like throwing around business cards like I, I'm most excited about going to meet up with people that I've met in the last year over Twitter mm-hmm. and just like hang out with them because there's I don't know I've, there's been a lot of cool other queer folks in the game scene that I've connected with or mm-hmm. other non-binary folks and um I'm just super excited and jazzed to just geek out with them in person i think it's gonna be like a fun week-long getaway
1: yeah it, no it really does i and i was a little late to the party to find out more about what gdc who's gonna be involved with that and i've mm-hmm. already had my my tickets uh booked for e3 and then you know aside from that i mean i would like to go a lot a lot of these events but you know with the type tight little budget for because i'm going to be heading out to japan later this year oh right yeah awesome and then uh The thing that I've noticed is that, I mean, there's not only composers, but, you know, like you said, developers and artists and whatnot, who've been, especially in the the gaming industry, Uh, I was talking to the folks over at uh, D-Pad Studios, and they're going to be out in uh, GDC. Yeah. Which is, you know, they were were, (laughs) were asking, I was messaging with them, they said, are you going to be out there? I said, I wish. But, you know, they're from, uh, you know, they're not from the U.S., so... For them to come in and get a chance to even talk to them, that would be really cool. And I think yeah. not only that, though, but just to talk to, you know, you're going to be there, and I'm sure many other people who, who I've talked to on their indie games would be really exciting just to meet them in person and then get to know them, you know, who they are, what they've done, where they come from. Uh, it's a different type of environment than going to, let's say, I would imagine like PAX and especially E3 because when I went to E3 last year, you know, it was mostly you know your bigger developers. You know, you got your Sony, your Nintendo, your Microsoft, and whatnot, and big publishers. You know, showing off their games for the rest of the year, or mm-hmm. supposedly next year, and which is great and all, but I think with this, and that's, this is what I like about indie games: is that that you know they're at a you know it's a certain point where like you can kind of relate to them, you know, to a certain point, and just you know, talking to, you know, like you and everybody else just actually feels, you know, I wanna say maybe really nice, really cool, just down to earth and just, you know, like just like, and like you and me. You're not this big, you know, composer it's like, well, I can't talk to you. I'm too big and important <laughs> to talk right. to you.
0: Yeah. I mean and I think like funnily enough, um I don't know if you've listened to there's two podcasts I really like. There's Level with Emily mm-hmm. um and then there's another podcast run by Kate Remington. Um and they're both interview podcasts where composers and sound people come on to talk. And I feel like even some of like the big name composers, like Jonathan Gear, who did Owlboy, you know, for yeah. D Studios or, you know, someone who's like very established, I think, from my perspective, like I don't think they get that many interview requests either. So um And that's
1: yeah. a, and that's a good that's actually a good point because I was talking to uh Sean Chiplock last week and he, he said the very, you know, pretty similar thing is that when you ask voice actors and actresses, you know, hey, would you jump on a podcast? He says, "They'd be foaming at the they'd be foaming at the mouth just to come on." I'm like, "Well, I mean, you know, I have no problem asking if you guys have the time to jump on a podcast." But, yeah, uh,
0: totally. Yeah, I mean, because like you know, these people we're all smaller parts of the the machines that make up like one video game, and mm-hmm. often we think of like the developer as being you know, if the original creator developer of a certain small indie game or whatever being like the masthead and so they get a lot of the attention and rightly so but like there's tons of people doing awesome things and like making shaders for video games or doing voice acting or doing like production or community management that are all super interesting and um definitely deserve to be talked to because it's all part of the the soup of how games are made
1: right yeah it's definitely a lot of pieces that make up into one game and i think that's what you know i think a lot of people may have maybe don't quite get there yet or maybe haven't quite understand. I am going want to say not quite understand, but just there's just so many people in the, you know, in the picture that I think tend to get fallen off. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being able to at least talk to these, just to even some of these, you know, you know, those folks, these folks that have been in the industry or who have been helping out with the game industry, it's just their stories of how they got here, what they've done and, you know, you'd be surprised if just everybody comes in different, ba- you know, backgrounds and different ways of getting to where they're at now. Yeah, totally. And
0: like, there's also this weird thing going on. Uh, like, uh, what was it with um, Mass Effect about the way that the face animations or the talking animations were? There's mm-hmm. like a lot of blowback, you know, from gamers who are not in the industry, not really fully understanding like the ways that. All the parts fit together, I think, Mm -hmm. because, you know, once you get to mid-level game studios and especially like AAA game studios, things get so big that they're really just not interested in talking about what's going on behind the scenes because they're worried about a player's not liking something right away and then that tanking the release. And there's a lot of pressure to make the release like as perfect as possible. And so they just skip talking about things that could be really interesting or, you know, avoid having transparency that could be risky for them. And so, there. I think there is like a big disconnect between, you know, how developers see games and how non-developers see games. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, anything that you know we can do as the larger community to bridge that gap, I think, is really healthy.
1: Right. Right. So, how did um, going back in time for a little bit? Um, yeah. How did uh, how did you able to um, start composing for Blossom Tales? How did that kind um, of you know come to you? Yeah.
0: So the it it was a whole crazy sequence of events and I, I i'm not sure like how in detail to go into uh mm-hmm. just cuz it's like i don't know who's actually interested in the sort of details of like my personal like history but basically like around 2015 i was like working on some music stuff for Visager, like my music project mm-hmm. and at the time it felt like i wanted to do more like indie music stuff or that's how I, where i'd been coming from um I played a bunch of shows and did like a little bit of touring and, you know, I was like singing live as part of it. Um, And those old albums are like deep back on my band camp. Uh, But I wasn't like super jazzed about like how I, where I was at and where I was headed. And I felt kind of felt like I was spinning my wheels a little bit. So I realized that like what I really wanted to be doing was focusing on music for games. Mm -hmm. um, And now more recently also sound for games. Um, And so what I did was, I, I was thinking that I needed a way to convince developers to bring me on for projects, and I knew at the time I didn't have um, any like video game style music to show off. And so, I sat myself down and I told myself I needed to like make like one or two like dedicated game music style albums, whatever that means, mm. um, that could like prove to people ahead of time that like yes, this is something I know a lot about. I've listened to hundreds of game soundtracks growing up. It's like a genre I think is really interesting and experimental and weird. And so like this is what I want to focus on. And I think that focus like really helped me. Um, it definitely felt like a turning point. Um, I made two albums, kind of back to back, called Songs from an Unmade World 1 and 2. And I dropped those around the internet. But primarily, I also posted them on the Free Music Archive, which is this awesome like open source Creative Commons website. Um, where you can archive music or you can post music. And just a lot of people go there looking for random stuff. If they're looking for, you know, if you're working on a student project and you need music, you might go there. Or if you're doing like a short nonprofit documentary um and don't have a big budget, you might go there for music. And that place, like much more than anywhere else, just this, the, the song's got a, a ton of traction. Um Like, I don't know what they're at right now, but you know, I was just like so surprised to see thousands of people listening to these tracks, which like elsewhere just really weren't getting that much attention. Um, And then through that album being on free music archive, uh, the original like team from blossom tales, castle pixel kind of just three guys who had met also online had been using it as sort of stand in music for their early versions of blossom tales. And, um when they saw that i was like active on twitter they reached out and were like hey do you want to take some of this music and write some more music and we'll just put it in our game oh wow yeah <laughs> and then like you know we that's how the conversation started i was like i saw them both follow me on twitter uh, rob and tyler mm-hmm. of castle pixel and i was looking at screenshots of the game and i wrote them and i was like this game like makes my heart hurt it's so good it looks beautiful and amazing and you guys seem cool. And without knowing that they had been using my music already, then they emailed me and were like, hey, Josie, yeah, let's, uh, we were thinking about reaching out to you for music. So it was just really lucky and super serendipitous.
1: Mm-hmm. So that's actually interesting. So you end up putting music up there for anyone to listen to, and they end up picking it up. Castle Pixel ended up picking it up, using it, and liked it so much that they contacted you and say, hey, can you make some more?
0: Yeah, and... So, like they were using some of it as just like stand in template music, um, yeah because the way I'd set up the songs from an unmade world albums was this is like the pyramid song, and this is like the jungle song, and this is the fire you know temple song, you know mm-hmm. all that sort of those those basic archetypes um so I think that was really helpful for them at the time, and uh worked to get me in the door, so to speak and Then I got in touch with FDG Entertainment, who are the publishers, and they also helped ship the game. Um, And uh, yeah, they're, you know, okay, we'll we'll try you out. And they hired me to do some more test tracks to see if I was, I guess, legit or not. And then, um, yeah, they hired me on for the full project.
1: Nice. So was there any tracks from your early day album that made it over to Blossom Tales? Yes. Um,
0: So... The ice dungeon music in Blossom Tales, mm-hmm. um, uh, the Frostroot dungeon uh, is uh, music that was called like Ice Cave, <laughs> on the original uh, songs from an Anime World album. It's a little bit tweaked um, as it you know things it needed to just have like a slightly different feel. It's a little bit slower, a little bit moodier. Um, yeah. And like I in the meantime had just learned a lot more about music production, so like I balanced things a little bit nicer, you know, for my own sanity. Um, and uh, is that it? Um, the trailer I know has like a clip of something I made from that album as well. Mm-hmm. But I think beyond those two things, uh, oh yeah, there's um one of the witches, the witch in the Meyer Zone, uh, yeah. in the Boiling Marshes. Yeah. Um, her music in her, if you go inside her house, is also from the second songs from an Unmade world album, but also again tweaked.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. I have to go back and replay it now. Yeah. Now, uh out of all those tracks you've made, you know, is there any you know, I'm gonna make it really hard for you to choose, but <laughs> what is the what is your favorite one out of that album? From Blossom Tales? Yes. Um I am really partial
0: to the sleep room music. Okay. Um if you like in Blossom Tales, so for those who don't know, *Blossom Tales is the story about a young knight named Lily, who uh, becomes a knight on her first day on the job, and uh, you know, she uh, gets tasked to save the king from his evil cursed sleep. Um, and so, the room where the sleeping king lies, because the game is called *Blossom Tales the sleeping king uh, just has like this like short little like you know A B loop that. I don't know. I just was really proud about how it turned out and I like it a lot and it carries like a motif from the title music and I think it's cool.
1: Nice. (laughs) So it sounds like, uh, you have been having a lot more fun creating music and now than you were doing, you know, prior to this and you still want to keep doing it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I like, In terms of composition stuff, I'd worked on some theater projects. Uh, I wrote music for, like, a play about the life of Alan Turing Mm -hmm. um, and his experience with his queer identity um, and the, uh, you know, he was jailed for being gay and forced to take estrogen and then ended up just, it's a really dark story. Um, uh, But this was sort of like a celebration of his queerness. um, And so that was something I worked on. Back in like 2012, 2013, and then after that, I was working on a couple more like dance and theater projects, and they're great. But like my heart is always screaming video games, and um, I think there's just something really special about the ways that it, the ways that entering a new environment and hearing new music. Not that all games have to have that format for their music implementation, but just like this idea that like music is really tied to location. I think is super interesting
1: yeah so what uh what games or what era did you end up growing up with
0: um well i'm 28 as of a couple of weeks ago and so uh my first games were played on game boy regular which my grandpa had for some reason and i <laughs> still don't know why but he had a big old chunky gray original game boy and i played metroid 2 and tetris a ton um, when I was over at their place mm-hmm. and then I got my own Game Boy pocket and then it was all just uphill from there pretty much.
1: Okay. Yeah. I so wasn't you're... allowed
0: to own a console growing up. Uh, I was, my parents did rent me a N64 from Blockbuster for a week for my birthday one year uh-huh. and that was the best week of my life. And then it got taken away and returned to Blockbuster and I was super sad.
1: Oh man. Dude, what does it take? <laughs> they ended up taking away a lot earlier. Than the one oh no,
0: no 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 no! I had my allotted one weekend. I I I played the heck out of that thing.
1: <laughs> what what did you, what did you end up playing a lot of?
0: Oh, let's see. We had uh, got Mario sixty four mm-hmm. and Glover and Pokemon Snap. I think either those three titles and one more. Um, but yeah, my parents were really not pleased uh, when I showed them that you could take the little baby penguin and throw it off the ledge. I think that was a sign for them that they their decisions up to that point were a, a good thing. Um, but I think my current career trajectory right now is proving them wrong.
1: <laughs> they got mad because Mario threw the penguin off the, the ledge. But More so they... that
0: I did it and I was like pointing and laughing at it. And they were like, this kid is messed up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. If that's if that's what it takes, I think we're t- it's all over now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did they realize that the penguin actually comes back down?
0: <laughs> yeah, or that it was a virtual penguin? You know. Right. But actually, this came back up recently because so like Trump invited all those video game people to the White House oh, to yeah. slander video games, and definitely there's not a causal link between video games and violence any more so than sports or TV or whatever. But I think I think a frame of that penguin being thrown off. Either someone was tweeting it around, or it was in the video that they used. But
1: it must be a joke. I
0: I want to believe that it was actually in the video that they showed him, but who knows? If it
1: was, I I probably I would probably laugh so hard about (laughs) that. (laughs) Yeah. Oh no. So, what uh, what soundtracks from games did you end up enjoying? And I guess uh, one, I guess now enjoy, but also got you into you know composing yeah um that's a pretty beefy question uh-huh. um
0: uh definitely link's awakening was like a huge huge game for me um like not only is does that game have like some incredible songs like the ballad of the windfish is mm-hmm. like so beautiful and the way it's written in the game itself is like really eerie it like you know, slows down and speeds back up and the way it overlays with those cinematics that they had for it are yeah. just really, really beautiful. And, you know, that game was all about collecting these instruments and each instrument would play its own version of the melody as you would collect it. And it was just super, super cool. And I think that really captured my imagination, like at a young age, um, like later soundtracks that I, I really got into were, uh, um, Uh, Jim Guthrie's soundtrack for Super Brothers Sword and Sorcery. Uh Um, Like, for me, that was one of the first soundtracks I thought that really did an awesome job blending different musical styles while still, for sure, being video game music, you know? Jim Guthrie is, like, this Canadian folk uh, guy, (laughs) indie folk, you know, singer-songwriter, and um, I don't really know his full, full background, but um, the sounds on that album are like super, super awesome. Like everything from like old Commodore 64 sounds to like ride symbol. That's like beautifully lushly recorded. And it all just super works together. And, um, like there's some really nice piano on that album. It's all really good.
1: Oh, interesting. What about, um, what about, uh, cause you went through the, okay. So game boy one, which that's a really good one. Uh, yeah. I play that one all the time. I never really beat it. I just always redid the game. Like, to a certain point, I just start over constantly. Yeah, yeah. And I've always liked the—I don't remember what the name of the mountain is. I'm sure somebody can correct me anytime, or maybe you can. Is it's, it Mount
0: Tam.
1: Mount Tam Tam. Mount. I think that's right. Tam- and I'm looking it up right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's got the. It's got a really nice upbeat music to it. And Mount Tamaranch. Ranch. That's that sounds about right. Yeah. I remember <clears throat> when I first got to it, or. Every time I would re- replay re- the game, and I got to that point, I would always love trying to go up in that area, but unfortunately, every time I get up there, I couldn't go very far. Oh no! But it's just you know because they want you to just you know go through different tunnels and get a- getting around. But every time you hear it, it's like oh this is so great, yeah. and just the instruments you can pick up each different one, and then you know I don't know that was always that was just like a really fun really fun game, and especially the you know. That was, I think, the first game I remember where you could trade items to do certain, you know, you know, you trade the bananas to the monkeys, and they make you a bridge. They leave a stick, you take the stick, you give it to a guy that looks like Mario, and he right. hits the hive. He gets honey. You give the hive, you know, honey to the to the bear. And, you know, it just keeps going until you can actually get the the end of the product, which yeah, was yeah. always fun.
0: Yeah, it was also just so weird cuz like there were all these weird crossovers mm-hmm. like Mario like you said or there's the Chain Chomp in there. Yeah. Some Goombas in the dungeons. It's like it's like very odd. It was, but it was really fun. Yeah. The, another standout track for me off Link's Awakening is definitely the um Fortune Teller music. Okay. Um I think it's from that Zelda. Um it's just, you know, one of the weird stores you go into. But it's it's like a little like 40 second track on the soundtrack and Like, that's, like, something I've listened to probably for, like, hours. (laughs) It's just, like,
1: really good. You put 40 Uh, seconds on a loop? Yeah,
0: or just, like, come back (laughs) to it, like, every year
1: and just, like, sit down for 30 minutes and listen to it and be like, how is this made? It's, like, so, so good. That's the fun part is just going back and remembering these tracks and then going back and just listening to it in between everything. Like, I remember this. And then you come back, (laughs) like, 10 minutes, 10 years later, like, this is still good. Yeah, this is still really good. (laughs) There's, um... Have you ever tried going back to let's say any of the soundtracks from Super Nintendo or Nintendo or Sega or Genesis?
0: Yeah. So I feel like Super Nintendo and Sega like era stuff is something I appreciate more, like, in retrospect. Mm-hmm. Um like again, I didn't own a Super Nintendo. Um mm-hmm. and so like my only experience playing a lot of those games was over at my cousin's place. Um uh, but definitely like the Super Mario World soundtrack is like very cool and all the weird sounds like in like the ghost house and yeah. the cave themes um even, those dungeons. even though,
1: the dungeons the, were great yeah 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 it's it's all, it's all good stuff
0: but definitely like uh i appreciate that more on like an intellectual level mm-hmm. um because i didn't spend as much time with it i think as opposed to like you know the like we songs or like the game boy songs that really like you know live in my heart for sure
1: right on Right on. I will say, sorry, Seth, I'm going to
0: jump in. I did play a lot of Sonic CD. Oh, that's um, a good one. And the theme song from that game is, like, fantastic. Sonic Boom, it's so, so good. And the animatic at the beginning, it's a full-on anime.
1: You said Sonic Boom?
0: Sonic uh, Boom is the name of the track, I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay, okay,
1: on on Sonic CD. You got, like, awesome, like female vocals because there was a sonic game called sonic boom so i had to make sure (laughs) oh yeah no not a 3d sonic right right now did you ever have you listened or played the sonic mania
0: yeah 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 i played a lot of that and it's it's really good and it like the fact that it was made by fans too is Mm -hmm. is is like the cherry on top of the beautiful ice cream
1: it seems like a lot that's kind of i don't know if a lot of it's going on but just seems that you know, a lot of the industries they'll take it into a certain direction. Like if you look at uh, Capcom, and you look at uh, what's another one? Uh, Sega. I mean, for sure. I want to mm-hmm. say I want to say Square too. Um, yeah. but they make some really good soundtracks, but they get you know that that um, it's like they lost that touch for, after you know for so long, and then when they actually come back and dig back in the roots you know of nostalgia it's you know people flip out in a good way mm-hmm. uh you know with capcom announcing Mega Man 11 and just the track that they introduced there just you know i think it shocked a lot of people like whoa this is great yeah and then you've got oh, what's the other one you've got you know, sonic mania for a good example and just the amount of time that was put into that one, and I mean, I know that they pushed that game back a couple times, but the end result was still good. Yeah, um, I think,
0: I'm a big I'm a big fan of just like a lot of the reinventing that's going on right now. Yeah, like I mean, most prominently seen by Breath of the Wild and Manaka Kataoka's track, but like <laughs> it's uh, not track soundtrack. Yeah, um, it, yeah, I think there's like a lot of room for experimentation and, like, shedding of the past, too. Like, I I know I've, like, just gushed about how great Link's Awakening was for, you know, 20 minutes or whatever, but um, I do think that there's a lot of room to try out new and weird stuff, and I think that's something that's really appreciated by players.
1: Yeah, and especially when, you know, when you take a game like, you know, Zelda and Mario, and you can still make it good for so long without having to kind of go back in time like Sonic Mania was or Mega Man. It's it's astounding and how they can still make it good after so many, you know, after, you know, 25, 30 years. Yeah. And, and you know, there's no slowing down. They're still going to make some good stuff. Um, but then you've got companies that seem to have a hard time keeping up with uh, the quality of, you know, when it comes to the, not only the game, but also the audio as well can, you know, make a big impact as well. I mean, if the mm-hmm. game doesn't sound good, uh, I'm sure people can probably figure something else to play, but you know it really does heighten the game's you know um, excitement out of it. I mean, I look at Blossom Tales, I look at Owlboy. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm hoping I'm saying this right. uh, Akalaz, uh That was the game. That was on. It's, as it hasn't came on the Switch yet. Yeah, I'm hoping it does. But that's okay. you know. Those are some really all. All. I mean, just. I'm just those three at the top of my mind. I'm sure there's more. Uh, <laughs> Celeste is another one. Yeah, um, yeah,
0: yeah. Lena's soundtrack for Celeste is like the coolest, best thing ever.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's just been a lot. Like just recently, there's been a lot of good music coming out of these games. Yeah, and, and I, I mean, I think that's great that, it, that they're getting some attention.
0: Yeah, and the soundtracks like what you live with. You know, after you're done playing a game because you've don't need to spend any more time in it but you do need to like have some music to listen to while you're traveling around driving around or mm-hmm. on the subway or whatever like the soundtrack you know is what lives on and so like that's to me is also kind of special
1: that's a very good point i mean think about uh the first you know super mario brothers theme i mean mm-hmm. how popular was that and how still popular it's going to be yeah uh it- i mean there's just you no know, it's, a, it's a very good point actually and i think that's why I mean. I think music is probably one of the most probably. I think one of the most important things in uh, in the gaming industry. I mean, other entertainments as and well. And in life. In life, in general. <laughs> <laughs> I will not argue with that. Oh man! Oh man! So, GDC. I'm going to go back to this. This is your yep. first time going to it.
0: It's my first GDC. Yeah.
1: Okay. So, I've never been to it. I've heard about it. What do you know? I mean, obviously, we know there's going to be other, any developers, com- artists, composers. You know, mm-hmm. it's uh, when I was looking, it those like those workshops too, like
0: yeah. So it's kind of split. Like the first half of the week has a lot of different tracks, um, so that it has like audio focused talks and panels, uh not audio focused. Like one of the tracks you can do is audio, but there's like advocacy or mm. uh, visual art, and uh, I don't know the whole list, but. So like the first half is kind of about like education, and then like the second half is about like the expo and showing off games. Um, and then in addition to like the official, you know, conference listing, there's a ton of events that happen throughout the week. There's a lot of like uh, um, uh, unofficial like talks given in like the park or at the carousel in. In the in the space next to the conference centers, and there's a bunch of parties that happen in the evening, or just you know teas and
1: other low key hangouts. This sounds very familiar to the Adobe Summit that I've been to last year.
0: Oh yeah, I bet. <laughs> I mean, like all these like conferences and summits are sort of the same in some ways.
1: Yeah. Do they have like guest speakers?
0: Uh, so pretty much, you know, all the people who are giving the talks are the guest speakers. Okay. Uh, and everyone kind of, I think, just submits a talk and. You know, depending on what is hot that year, certain right. talks
1: get selected or not. Right. I just didn't know if there were certain. Uh, like keynote. Right. Right. There was, uh, they would have comedians from SNL or they Ooh. had, yeah, yeah. Uh, they had last, I forgot what her name was, but and then they, this, um, she was on SNL last year. I wish I would know right off the bat. Uh, but they also had uh, football stars last year. Peyton Manning was there. Oh, uh, no, nothing nothing like that. And I know like, no no.
0: I mean for the developers that are going like they don't need to see like celebrities just be celebrities. Like people are right. interested in hearing about the nuts and bolts of like game development
1: and Well, I I figure like like let's say Umatsu came out or you know, somebody really you know, a really high profile who's been in the gaming world to kind of give a like a basic idea of like where they came from, what have they gone done and gone through to get where they're at now but it sounds like there's not too many of those or not that big of a profile. Well, yeah, definitely, like,
0: uh, it's definitely not, like, the sort of total, like, you know, top-level composers Mm -hmm. or developers or whatever coming in. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Yeah, there's also, I think, this interesting conversation going on right now about those sorts of talks. Like, the, I'm a successful whatever, like, here's how I got here. I think there's a lot more conversations happening right now at least in like the communities that I'm part of, mm-hmm. of why those talks can sometimes be counterproductive. Like, not only is there like some survivorship bias, and you know who walks up on stage, like they're gonna sort of overemphasize the things they did, mm-hmm. when in reality there's a ton of luck and chance to uh, a- a- everything that happens to us. But also, like, it kind of diminishes sometimes the boundaries and walls that are in place in stopping you know developers from certain marginalized backgrounds from having those same successes, even though in all other aspects of their lives, they're doing the same things or doing everything right. You know, there's still these invisible bear invisible barriers in the way.
1: Yeah. I can, I think I can see, understand why that would happen. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting that they actually have, I mean, it's a great way for, you know, exchanging names, you know, looking for additional like, Hey, you know, I've done this or done that. and, Yeah, it's exchanging business cards and names and other Mm -hmm. kind of contact, but also, you know, you got your workshops to even get better.
0: Yeah, and and, like I think other cool like topics or things that people are really interested in hearing are like when something doesn't work out the way you expected, or just like what's something you're really excited about. Like I think some people really respond to these like niche talks on very specific subjects like here's how we did our snowboarding mechanic in this game like here's how we <laughs> replicated the creaking of ankles to maximize the playability of whatever you know something like uh-huh. really really esoteric
1: right but it's those, but it, sometimes it's those little details that can make the experience a lot better
0: totally yeah yeah yeah, yeah.
1: interesting um so this would be your first time and it's all week long are you going the mm-hmm. entire week from monday through friday
0: yep and i'll be like there a few days on either end to just see friends out there as well
1: oh, okay yeah there you mm-hmm. go yeah. and if it's if it if you learned a lot from this would you go again next year
0: yeah i'm like i was not 100 percent sure i was going to be able to go this year um i got a scholarship to go actually through an organization called i need diverse games um that's run primarily by Tanya DePass, who's like a awesome advocate for different kinds of gamers and mm. or game developers. And so, like, there's like a little crew of us, like twenty to thirty or so, that are going on these like, you know, big like the full pass and fully funded. So that makes it so much more doable. Um, but yeah, I think next year, you know, scholarship or not, I would want to go again. I think it's going to be really, you know, valuable for me to be there.
1: Right. So what kind of uh goals do you have in mind? I mean, you've done in the game. What what other goals do you have in mind to uh, with your, you know, composing skills?
0: Yeah. Well, um I'm I've been talking with one developer that I'm like really excited to meet up with in person, um but it's kind of that thing where like we we've chatted a little bit, but you know, we have to see if it would be a good fit and all that stuff. All right. Um I would love, when I came on to Blossom Tales, things were kind of already in progress, and I came in at a later point, and so I kind of crunched all my work, and also just learned a lot on making Blossom Tales, that uh, now if I went back and started from the beginning, there's a lot of stuff I would do differently, and so I'm excited to have a project that I can work on from the ground up, and really sort of meticulously weave all the songs together, mm-hmm. have some good motifs, carrying through like every track, as opposed to Blossom Tales, where there's some motifs, but I didn't really fully fully develop them. Um, I'm excited to yeah just like make something really special and unique and um,
1: yeah hopefully that can be my next project. Yeah so, start, so starting something that's something totally fresh new, you can get an idea of how you want to integrate all the you know all the music together. I know with Lost of Tales there was already some set in stone already mm-hmm. and you were kind of basing it off of that to create the rest of it.
0: Yeah, or like more specifically like I was coming in as a bit of an unknown and so mm-hmm. the the negotiating between like me and Castle Pixel, the developers and FTG, the publishers, like everyone had a bit of a say in like what the music should look like and so a lot of the times I had to sort of figure out the best way to compromise. I mean, like everyone is compromising always in game development, but mm-hmm. for me it was trying to make sure I wasn't Speaking almost out of turn because the people I, were work- I was working with had more experience than I did, and yeah. so I wanted to make sure I was like listening and learning from them as I went, and hopefully that made the game soundtracks sh- as strong as possible.
1: So it sounds like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you had a lot of revisions in this one.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, I think a normal amount. Like some tracks were done on the first try, or some oh. tracks were great on the first try, but then right for a different part of the game than we had envisioned, and then a couple tracks were like really. Gnarled, and it was a bit of a snafu to get them finished. Um, specifically, the, uh, the Golem Savin music was mm-hmm. something that we revised a lot. Um, I think it was something that, with Yanis, who's one of the uh, who's kind of leading the charge over at FTG, like we just had a different idea of what it should sound like. And I thought it should be a lot spookier and more mysterious. Mm-hmm. And Yanis was like pushing for a more calm, relaxing celtic vibe and so we like got to a point where he just sent me a two-hour youtube video of celtic music and was like here listen to this and make something based off this stuff and so i was like okay so i scrapped everything i'd done up to that point and made pretty much what is the current track now and uh i think that was great because people seem to like that track and respond to that one specifically and uh yeah that was all Giannis's like art direction you know
1: interesting well, I mean, it's it's always good to have another pair of eyes to look at things in a different perspective. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I know outside of what I'm doing here with Cat with Monaco, um, you know, web design, web development, you know, you get so used to, like, designing something, but then, you know, you have, like, you know, three, you know, few people looking at it and says, no, I like it this way, maybe you should try it this way. And, you know, it's the critiquing, but the critiquing can be done in a way to help you out a lot and i think that you know with with this it sounds like it actually helped you out with blossom tales
0: totally yeah and like i think the worst thing you could ever do is be someone who like gets feedback and discards it or doesn't really listen and so i think something i've always tried to do on team projects and hopefully i did i think well at blossom tales is like be that person who's like yeah okay i hear where you're coming from and let's try to make it work you know just trying to be as open to different ideas as possible.
1: Now, have you ever done it where you, you, you know, let's say, for example, for the Golem one, mm-hmm. uh, you take what, you know, you listen to Celtic music for two hours, you adjust it to, you know, what they're thinking. Do you ever have the idea, or maybe you've done this before, where you would create an additional track to say, this is, I also created this, you know, just to kind of give them an option, or is it just, you know, here it is, that's it? Um, I mean,
0: for, so like in total for Golems Haven, I probably wrote about six different revisions of tracks and that was the most by far, like most other tracks were done from like one to three revisions. And, um, it's usually not worth it to like do multiple things concurrently, knowing that you'll be throwing one out. It's always, I think, smarter just to like do your best that you can on -hmm. this one track. And if it doesn't work, then you can figure out why and go from there.
1: Yeah. I think with music, you know, with, uh. I think with scores like that I think you can't really spend too much time except for like a little demo.
0: Yeah, yeah. if you're if you're pitching in a project then that's kind of a different story because yeah. um it, it, you know it's all it's all context dependent
1: um but it sounds like there was some uh, you guys had some uh, time crunch to get some of the music done cuz they've already started on it. Uh yeah, a little bit. So they hired me
0: in June of 2016. And the original plan at that point was to release in October of 2016. Um, and in hindsight, that seems really crazy. But uh, the Steam version of the game came out in March of 2017. And then, as you know, the Switch version came out in December of 2017. So there actually ended up being like a longer release cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of the music was done by November, ultimately, of 2017. So I worked on it. Not like consistently, but over the course of four ish months.
1: Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Now how many tracks is, was, how many it, tracks it, was how many tracks was there again on the album?
0: Yeah. Uh there ended up being about forty four. Um with some being like super short, like ten second or yeah. fifteen second shop tracks.
1: Do those ten second ones take you a lot longer uh, than it should have? uh actually no like those like the shop music was all
0: written really really quickly it's like they're like sweet little sketches and i just you know pooped them out and shipped them over and they were like pretty much not changed from start to finish
1: (laughs) what about um that sounds kind of familiar to the uh the cat ones i met i asked you to make real quick
0: yeah yeah certain things (laughs) that like don't need too much focus are tend to be better if you think about them a little bit less
1: yeah i think yeah uh yeah I guess that would make sense, um, so right uh, so if I if I go to Bandcamp right now to download it how many tracks was there again? I think forty four. Okay so it's all forty four of them. Yeah something okay. like that. Okay, and then uh, now, the game came out on, on S- Steam, and then a few months yep. later on Switch. Were you surprised mm-hmm. of how many copies were sold on and the the, the feedback you've you've received and. No, Castle Pixel's received for Blossom Tales.
0: Yeah. Uh, especially because like when we released on PC, it was just PC, not even PC and Mac. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, you know, kind of crickets. And Steam is like a hard place to release on right now just because like it's super saturated. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like the publishers, FTG were really great at finding like a really good window just to slip it in. Um like As people had sort of died down from playing Breath of the Wild, and were kind of missing having like a good top-down old-school Zelda, Mm -hmm. they released it like right before Christmas, and yeah, just it was night and day in terms of the buzz. Like we got like two big features on Kotaku and Mm -hmm. all this, you know, stuff that was like really just honestly insane. Um, Like in hindsight, it still seems like a little crazy to think about, and um, maybe this is all a dream. Maybe maybe this is I'm in Link's Awakening and the the windfish is gonna whisk me back to my
1: rocky tide. Hopefully it's now in the middle of the ocean on a log.
0: Right, yeah. <laughs> Looking up the sky, dreaming about what could have been.
1: That's right. <laughs> <laughs> now, um if they were to let's I'm gonna there was rumors floating around, I don't know if it's true or not. Uh huh. Let's say that Link's Awakening was remade. Would you okay. be ecstatic to wanting to play it if they were to make a remake
0: yeah is it like what kind of remake is it is like just like a they're just re-releasing it or is it a sort of uh, link between worlds
1: kind of like link between worlds let's say there was rumors that it would be a a remake of Link's Awakening for the 3DS
0: okay well I don't own a 3DS currently which is a bummer but I would definitely be interested in checking it out if there was maybe like a sweet ROM someone could send me or anything (laughs) like that
1: Hopefully the uh, the tracks of the music would actually be really still intact, or maybe they should give you a quick call to help you out with that. Have them. Yeah,
0: I mean, definitely different versions of video game music is like always like a super treat. Like even mm-hmm. going back to like SNES and Game Boy Color, uh, like differences in soundtracks, like Dragon Quest versus Dragon Warriors, for instance. Um, uh, it's really cool to hear you know the same track but reorchestrated on different chips or different mm-hmm. you know uh, cartridges.
1: Yeah. You no, know, this is true. Um, man, there's there's a uh, there's an RPG series that had a really great score. It was I, I don't think it's talked to a lot. It's you know Breath of Fire. I don't know if you've okay. heard of that one. no, I haven't. So well, it came out. They've been you know they've been on the Super Nintendo, but I think the biggest one was on the PlayStation. It was Breath Breath of Fire three. Uh, they made well they made five of them. Well. Okay, let me go back. They made another one. It was for, it was for mobile. Okay. It was for the smartphone, and only in Japan, but it never came to the U.S., so I don't know if everybody really should count that. And they've already okay. stopped making it. So the I really got into the third and the fourth one, especially the third one, and the music for that was just, I don't know, it was mesmerizing. It was, it catched every scene. It, it, it I don't know, it was, Whoa. it really reminded me back in the, uh, you know, the 16-bit era a lot Okay, and it seems like that would be something like right up your alley. Yeah, definitely.
0: So it's like it's just kind of 16-bit weird sample instruments and all that.
1: Yeah, I so. Okay,
0: yeah, link link it to me. Send it to me.
1: Yeah, I definitely. will. <laughs> or yeah, put in the show notes. Yeah, <laughs> for the show notes, I'll put. I might as well just throw everything else in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you're going to be at GDC this year for when we you know for the week you're going to be on a train from. You said Chicago to L.A. for forty-eight hours to San Francisco. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry, San um, Francisco.
0: I'm also hitting PAX East. I'll be hanging out with FTG Entertainment there, oh, okay. and I'm also on a panel, um, which is exciting. Um, there's like a a panel about trans representation in games, trans and non-binary representation in games, and um, I'm really excited about that. So and when is PAX East? PAX East is April fifth through eighth, twenty eighteen.
1: Okay, so right around the corner, and you're gonna be yep. busy.
0: And then, uh, yeah, then there's East Coast Games Con, uh, where I submitted to give a talk, and I'm doing this talk on, like, the history of sampling in video games, um, which is going to be kind of nuts also.
1: (laughs) What are any other plans after um, all this has kind of died down?
0: Um, I've been considering about going to grad school for music composition, um, but that's still something I'm, like, deciding if it's going to be right for me, but I think it could be. To sort of solidify my like arrangement and some orchestral stuff and some music theory, I think those are all areas where I could definitely improve.
1: Nice. Now, you probably don't have. I I assume you know, talking to voice actors, developers. I'm going to assume the same thing with you know, as a composer for video Mm -hmm. games. Mm -hmm. Um, Your time, you know, just outside of everything, is pretty limited. Uh, uh yeah that's that's true yeah <laughs> I mean <you've>, I know <laughs> I know your yours is a little I mean compared to you know voice actors you know you're you're going to shows you're com- you know you're coming out with music you're putting it out there for people to listen and you know obviously more work for additional games outside of Blossom Tales mm-hmm. um now let me ask you this is when was the last time you actually went out to see a movie
0: Oh man, um, uh, the last movie I saw. I'm thinking back, thinking back, I've missed like the last month of good movies. Um, I think the last movie I saw was Phantom Thread, which does have an amazing soundtrack, um, and. But I've been really bummed out to not be able to see a Fantastic Woman yet, or I haven't seen Black Panther yet, which I know is terrible, and I haven't seen Annihilation yet, which is going to be really good, and I never saw the last Star Wars, so like I'm just really doing everything wrong.
1: <laughs> but I think, I mean, I think a lot of these are probably either already out or coming out to. Uh, <laughs> I gotta go
0: see Star Wars in theaters. I'm gonna go see it, Seth. <laughs> I'm going to go. I'm going to get there.
1: You could probably still do that too. I think uh, you still got some time.
0: Yeah. Maybe like as a nice calm night for GDC, like I'll take a break from everything and go see a movie by myself.
1: There you go. Yeah. Now, let's see here. Are you a coffee drinker, wine drinker, or something else? (laughs) Uh,
0: I I like how you set those up as mutually exclusive. I'm kind of all of the above. (laughs) I'm sitting with some nice tea right now. But I definitely need a good cup of coffee in the morning and then, yeah, a nice bottle of Rioja later in the evening. Sure, yeah. <laughs> sign me up.
1: How many coffees did you end up taking when you were doing Blossom Tales?
0: Uh, uh, geez, the total number or per day? I say per day. Oh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good about being like one or two. I'm not one of those crazy like five coffees a day kind of people.
1: Yeah, especially drinking up at like what, 11 o'clock at night? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I find myself to be most productive
0: in like the late mornings, early afternoons, and then maybe a little bit in the evening. But like once it hits like eleven thirty, doing like writing is generally kind of hard for me.
1: I think I can. I think I can understand that. Um, mm-hmm. Writing code seems to be a little bit tougher when you're at you know, wee hours in the morning.
0: Yeah, your just brain starts to like get a little foggier. and.
1: Yeah, like you still get that. Uh, I don't know if it's the hazy, but it's you're right though, foggy. And then you you know you're gonna start making mistakes, so you're like, Okay, I gotta stop. Yeah. And just have to go away for a little bit and then come back.
0: Yeah, I I do think that like that being well rested so you can focus is like super key to feeling like creative and productive.
1: Oh yeah. I I couldn't tell you how many times that after banging my head on the keyboard on a only one little snippet of code, I come back the next day and I figured it out in half an hour.
0: Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, is, or like the, the shower effect like I've definitely written a lot of blossom tales melodies in the showers for sure.
1: <laughs> the the shower trekking technique does work at times. You just that's interesting. That's a good way to even just sit there and just think. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Well, it's uh, hopefully everybody gets some notes on how to, you know, if they ever get stressed out, go take a shower.
0: Yeah, totally. It's it's all about <laughs> lateral thinking, and like some, your brain really does good processing when you're not like trying to brute force your way through every problem.
1: That's true. And then, um, I remember going to, uh, I was going to an art college, and I remember one of the things was about how, you know, you get a notepad next, you know, put it next to the bed, and you just, you're dreaming, and you wake up, and you just start writing stuff, drawing something or whatever, because mm-hmm. you're never gonna remember it the next day.
0: Yeah, it's impossible. Or even during the day, like that—that that stuff happens. So I try to be good about whipping on my phone, opening voice notes, like recording a melody if there's something in my head, and so that I can go back and listen to it later. Has that helped out a lot by doing that way? Yeah, like yeah, I'm pretty sure the Blossom Tales Town theme was like written in the shower, and like the Overworld theme was written on the subway platform. You know, like it's a real uh, Frankenstein's monster of like these different locations I was in. You know, as these ideas came to me.
1: It helps though. I mean, the soundtrack is really good. Oh well, thank you so much, Seth. No problem. I
0: really appreciated like how supportive you were of the release and of the album. It it all means a super lot to me, and I know it does to the rest of the team as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, you. I mean, everybody puts a lot of time into these projects, and and I think that you guys deserve a lot of attention as much as you can. I mean, I know that when a game comes out, uh, you know, a lot of people will get on it. They'll play it. You know, after, you know, after some time, like, oh, you know. They'll tend to forget about it, but it's like you know, these are really good games. I mean, they're not. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's. It's is it a Zelda or a Mario? No, but they're really good. I mean, does well, I it have to be? I mean, no. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think I think it doesn't have to be. A, you know, these big title AAA games. Uh, I think a lot of the indie games out there are really fun, and I think I actually you know when I started to do uh, review games for a couple other sites, I was getting, you know, at first it's like, you know, I want to play these, you know, yeah, I definitely like to play these bigger ones, but then as I started playing more of the indie games, I actually still started, you know, showing more appreciation of what, you know, can come out of these. Um, mm-hmm. There's just so much, you know, time put into it, hard work. I'm sure a lot of blood and sweat were put into these things, but um, and tears. I'm sure there's a lot of tears as well. I didn't cry too, too much. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did like really want to
0: make it something special, and so I feel like I, I tried to put in you know extra time just to juice things as much as I could mm-hmm. in, in, at the time I was making it.
1: Yeah. Now, if um, if Castle Pixel uh, asked you to come back to make additional music, would you take it in a heartbeat?
0: Oh yeah, of course. Yeah.
1: Okay.
0: Silly uh-huh. question,
1: but I thought I asked that. <laughs> <laughs> Now, so you've done a Zelda overhead, an you know, overhead Zelda-type game. Uh-huh. What kind of other type of game would you like to compose for? Um, well, uh, as I've been sort
0: of thinking about like, what are my uh, blind spots in terms of the music that I've made so far, mm-hmm. um, definitely like, more minimalist ambient music is something I have less experience putting out. Um, and so... To that end, like I've been focusing on making some music just for myself uh, that fits into that category. Like loosely, it's in the I'm I'm thinking about it in the umbrella of like puzzle music, mm-hmm. but it's like a little weirder than your average average puzzle game. So
1: that reminds me of uh, the when you just mentioned about that. There's a game that I'm actually playing right now, reviewing called Night in the Woods. Oh you know, yeah, it reminds me of like the way what you're talking about reminds me of that
0: yeah i mean that music is super eerie and uh minimal at certain points but like there's also some beautiful like brass on that album and guitar like Mm -hmm. rock band kind of stuff um it's actually interesting that you bring up night in the woods seth uh i recently started uh being mentored by gordon mcglattery who runs a shell in the pit and um their studio was responsible for helping out with the sound for night in the woods um as I've been like learning more sound design stuff and practicing that also, uh, mm-hmm. so I can offer that down the line with music stuff. Um, yeah, I've been working with this guy Gordon. He, he's super nice and so great.
1: Now, is he from... Um, where, where is he from, if you don't mind me um,
0: asking? Uh, they live out in Vancouver, uh, okay. so they're, they're based out of there. He's also a composer, and so we've like talked about sort of both sides of things. Okay. He did part of the soundtrack for Rogue Legacy back in the day. Oh.
1: If you ever played that game...
0: Um, and has worked on some more recent stuff, like Splitter Creator, and he's a really cool dude.
1: Okay. Yeah. So it sounds like you've met a lot of other composers, and I mean, and I assume other developers and artists as well, but definitely composers you've been meeting a lot more recently.
0: Yeah, yeah. Definitely, like, I feel like just connecting with other folks who are, you know, at a similar spot to where I am, or just that, like, understand what it's like to put out music and really care about it Um, I think like talking with them online and meeting them in person just really gives me life and uh, I will take that life and make it my own and suck them dry of all their life force
1: (laughs) (laughs) and it sounds like you've always uh, you're pushing yourself into different directions because you mentioned about trying different types of music that you've never done before and just try new things which I think that's great
0: yeah thanks yeah i think it's good to push yourself out of your comfort zones whether that's in music or in your personal life like if you're someone who is afraid to stand in front of people maybe like try an improv class or if you feel like you're not that creative like Mm -hmm. maybe you need to go to a drink and draw night where you know there's like a nude model and you're drawing drawing someone naked (laughs) i don't know uh i think i think it's good to experiment with like different things and Mm -hmm. uh I think I'm also someone who just has a hard time doing the same thing over and over again forever.
1: No, it's good though. And no, and it's funny that you say that because uh I think it's it's I think uh I know I I know personally I have a hard time repeating the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. But and I have always have to try something different or do something different. So I'm always taking on different types of projects or trying different things. I think the only thing I don't try a whole lot of different of is probably food which I probably should. Um uh. <laughs> Like, what's your
0: go-to meal?
1: Oh, right now it's salmon. I love oh. salmon.
0: I mean, if you're gonna pick one food and just eat that forever, I think salmon's a pretty healthy and yummy way
1: to go. I think so too. I uh, <laughs> I've tried, you know, and I think there's many different ways to eat salmon. Uh, there was a, it, it's a, it's a, I don't remember the name of the restaurant. It's a golf, it's it's a golf restaurant. It's a nice, you know, golf-related restaurant. I think it's called uh-huh. it's called Masters. That's what it is. Okay, and. For the longest time, I liked it a lot. And I still, I still like it. But when I went to Vegas last year for the Adobe Summit, there was a restaurant in the hotel in the Venetian, I believe, and I ate that salmon every freaking day I was there. I could, I could not help like how delicious it was. They had like three different flavors, each different with its own different spice to it, or maybe not even spice, but something a little bit more calm or i don't know it's just three different ones and i just enjoyed every day i never got tired of it yeah it sounds really yummy it was really yummy. (laughs) i did i had no complaints about having salmon every day i'm just
0: thinking back yeah me and my my girlfriend dominique the other night we cooked some really good salmon or she cooked it i guess and Mm -hmm. i helped cut the potatoes um
1: but it was super good yeah if you can if you can cook salmon in a good way i mean I don't know i think you can, I don't think you can go wrong with salmon I'm doing the the chef kissing fingers you know just <laughs> <laughs> I think aside from that, I'm trying to think of uh uh you know I've had a couple different family recipes I'll end up making um I know one of them like I always liked him it's a home thing it's called Phil noodles where it's uh it's a German food where it's you know it's it's kind of like a dumpling. Where it's uh-huh. um, it's homemade noodle, uh-huh. and you stuff it in with ground ground you know with like not ground beef but just grounded up beef. So you take okay. beef and you grind it up, and the and uh-huh. my mom has an old school grinder, and so she would you attach it to the end of a counter, yeah, and you it's a, it's a metal with a wooden handle. That's how old school uh-huh. it is. And you right. put the meat on the top and you start grinding it. Uh, and then yeah. you put bread in it. And the bread's supposed to help, you know, clean it out. Okay. And so you take that and then you, you put it inside the noodle. And then you uh-huh. wrap it up and you dump it into chicken broth. Holy crap, it's so delicious.
0: That sounds really good. But wait, I think I'm going to ask the question that is on anyone's mind right now, which is what's the difference between ground beef
1: and grinded beef? Uh, you know, that's a really good question. <laughs> <laughs> I guess grounded beef, it's like, I think with grinded beef, it's a little bit more fine. Oh, compared okay. to grounded beef, where it's. Which has like the little bubbles. Pretty like much. Ma- Not yeah. bubbles. That sounds gross. <laughs> well, that's why you have to pat it.
0: <laughs> yeah. And
1: get all the bubbles out. <laughs> we're going to stop so talking. I think we're going to stop right there on that one.
0: <laughs> yeah. That sounds like a good idea.
1: <laughs> but I've been, I don't know. I mean, I've been using off a little bit more on meat. I've been, fish has been like, you know, I've been getting more of cooked fish, has been recently what I've been getting into more. Now we just, we just now went to being out of the box. Now we're talking about food. So yeah, this is, this is now a chef's podcast. It is now. Hello, this is the first episode of the Fish, Fish <laughs> this is and the Chips. Chef, chef
0: with Monocle <laughs> podcast.
1: That's right. I'll have the, I'll have to make the logo with a chef hat. Yeah. Maybe I'll do that. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Um, so what kind of, um, we're going to have some really bizarre questions for these podcasts. So, okay.
0: Um,
1: your go-to meal? Uh,
0: for me, the, my biggest comfort meal is like a, a nice tortellini, maybe, or uh, a good stir fry, or maybe like a quesadilla. Um, do I have to pick one?
1: Uh, those all sound really good. So I'll some, you keep going. Some <laughs> spaghettios, maybe like French toast, with Just French fries.
0: <laughs> Maybe like a big old Western omelet. I like. I, I love food. Yeah, sign me up. What about fish? I love fish. I love salmon,
1: you know? <laughs> so, when you, you said spaghetti goes, right? Yeah, sure. So, so, if you <laughs> take. No heat them If you get out of the can, do you do the chef fingers? Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, and I put the empty can on my head and I do the chef fingers. <laughs> I go, mwah. <laughs> my compliments to the can, mwah.
1: <laughs> you do that to the ramen, too.
0: <laughs> yeah, just dump the hard brick on the ground and I
1: yeah. go, mwah, at the ground. There's a. Um, And that's funny, like, now that I brought up about ramen, there's actually a, um, when I was in L.A. last year for the EA conference, I have a cousin that uh, lives in that area. He showed me Little Tokyo. Okay. I believe that's what it's called. And there's a restaurant, it's a ramen restaurant. I'll have to tell you what it is. Um, They make, it's a, they make everything, you know, in front of you. The ramens are homemade. They make it in front of you there's a window there's a glass in front of it so you can't sneeze around and all that stuff so it's but they make it in front of you and they you know you know dip it in broth and whatnot and it's really good yeah it sounds good and we went from outside there we walked into little tokyo and there were some i don't know they've got some really nice desserts mm. like uh i'm gonna probably bunch the name um i believe it's called um uh, munchkin okay and it's like what it is it's it's uh it's compressed rice and they put flavor ice cream in it Ooh! so i had a pistachio i love pistachio yeah so i had a pistachio one. Oh my Ooh. goodness I, is it like mochi yeah mochi that's it
0: oh okay yeah 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 that's another comfort food just just sign me up give me some strawberry mochi <laughs> some green tea
1: that's oh, right yeah those are i've never had one until then and it was so good <laughs> Yeah, and I
0: actually only learned about them, like, a couple years ago, and I was made fun of at the time, so... Oh,
1: that's really uh, good. No, they're, they're missing are not out. alone. It's, it's so good. Like, there's so many <laughs> different flavors. I think, uh, the, You know, the weirdest thing is that after that, I couldn't find them. I mean, I could... If I looked harder, I could probably find some. There's a... Ironically, there's a lot of different types of uh, food around here.
0: Yeah, they're it's usually, it's like, very... a fancy grocery store thing, like a Whole Foods or...
1: Yeah, so Costco had a few, and mm. they... But the problem with Costco is that they are so limited on when they actually sell it. So, like one, you know, one month you go in, they'll have the, you know, they'll have like, you know, sweet corn, uh-huh. a whole bag of it. That's good. And three months later, it's gone. And uh-huh. yeah, that's so you have to come back. So, and then they'll come back like six months later. Oh, it's oh, a big bag of corn. It's a big bag of corn, but it's delicious corn. <laughs> I advise not to eat it all at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're going to be in the path of pride forever, but, um, <laughs> but I mean, aside from that, I mean, it's there's a lot of like uh, interesting foods that um, I enjoyed over in the uh, little Tokyo, and I'm hoping when I do go out to Japan this uh, later this year is to try a lot of these different things. Like, I know they had the fluffy pancakes, and my cousin, the same cousin who lives in LA, uh, went to. He, I don't know. He just travels everywhere, and he went to. He was just at in Japan, and he was taking pictures of these uh, fluffy pancakes. And I heard those were really good. And man, they look good. Hmm. Sounds really good. They just. I guess they wobble a lot too. So I guess they make giant candy cane or uh, cotton candies too, like gigantic.
0: Which yeah, Japan. Japan is incredible, and that's definitely on my to-go list for sure.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll take some photos, and hopefully you get too envious about what you're missing out, but that just makes you want to go out there even more. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun stuff, though. But So it sounds like you've got a lot on your plate coming up here in the next, what, two, three months. And then, Yeah, the,
0: the next month in particular is the hairiest.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, you've got two conferences you're going to, GDC and PAX East. Are you ever going to go to Apex West if you're invited to that?
0: Uh yeah, I'll go anywhere if I'm invited.
1: Yeah, you know, just 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 ring me up.
0: I'll I'll, I'll go around. I don't care. <laughs> I'll fly anywhere. Yeah.
1: It seems like um uh a lot of these you know like I know um, smaller to so the I'm going to say the indie a lot of the, a lot of the publishers a lot of the smaller publishers don't even go to E3. Am I correct? I mean, have you yeah, noticed? Yeah, I mean,
0: like I feel like. I've never been D3, but, you know, it's so focused on big AAA stuff that Mm. it's just not worth it to... I I don't even know if there are options for, like, smaller indie tables or, you know... It's hard to imagine someone, like, being outside of the monolithic, like, Sega building or Sony building and sitting at a table with, like, their laptop showing off their thing.
1: You know, the funny thing, though, is that when I was... um, Because I went to the uh, Xbox uh, area... Mm -hmm. And they had a bunch of the screens on, and I was in line for um, you know, it was for Dragon Ball Fighters. That was Mm -hmm. there was a demo for it. I was really excited about it. I'm a huge Dragon Ball fan. I was really excited for that, and I was in line waiting, and nobody was playing. What was that new Sonic game? Sonic Forces. There was oh right yeah. Nobody wasn't really playing Sonic Forces. Uh, maybe one person did, so, and they said the only reason they would actually play is that they didn't lose their line, their spot oh. in line, and then people right. would actually play it. Yeah. Um, but there was another one next to it. I forgot the name of it. I have to look that up, but it was an indie game, and it looked really interesting. It reminded me of, you know, um, one of those Katamari games, but it wasn't. Huh. huh. And it was, I believe it's based on uh, kind of like farming. So it was really, it was really different for sure, in a good way.
0: Yeah, but no, that sounds
1: cool. And and I think that was the only type of indie game I actually saw at E three. <laughs> there wasn't too many. You're right, though. It's a lot of triple He's like, I couldn't tell you when I go past, uh, you know, some of those Call of Duty or or whatnot, whatever's coming out this year. I don't, I don't. Maybe I should pay attention to those, but I maybe I shouldn't. I don't know. I'm more focused on everything else kind of going on, but. You go to these, and they're just flooded with people. You know? Yeah. I think I would have actually more fun going to these packs than... I'm sure E3 is still fun, but I think going to like the packs once would actually be a lot more fun just from what I've seen in photos and you know hearing who's going to be there. Like, man, I need to go to one of these next time.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I just love just walking up to a random game, and then like the person who made it is standing right there, yeah. and you're like, Hey, your game is awesome and they're like, "Thanks." And then you get to hear about how the game was made. It's like really special and unique, I think.
1: That is actually. You get to kind of get that, you know, one-on-one time with them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, especially if it's like someone's first game, like they're so jazzed about it. Uh, yeah. It's it's really nice.
1: And there's so I mean, there's so many games out there, but it's unfortunate that you know, there's so little time for everyone to play it. And sometimes you know some of the you know good ones don't get that kind of that shiny chance and sometimes you know um it's got to be end up being picked up by a bigger publisher to bring it Mm -hmm. out i mean i'm sure that's would you say that it's the same way what happened with blossom tales where
0: um well blossom Tales had a weird history because it would they tried to find it via kickstarter and then the kickstarter didn't fail but through the kickstarter they got noticed and picked up to be published so it was like a kind of failed but still successful Kickstarter, mm-hmm. um, and I think like because it got picked up by these publishers, it ended up being a lot bigger than the original scope of the game. Um, so I think that that ultimately was like a, a cool success story.
1: Interesting. Oh, wow. I'll be. And yeah. then from there on, I mean, you jumped on board and and then the rest
0: things. is history. That is right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man! Oh man! Well, Josie, I appreciate you being on tonight. Oh, sure,
0: yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Seth. This is super
1: fun to just chat and hang
0: out, talk about mochi and spaghettios and games. Like that's
1: that's a pretty much a dream evening. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> so, I'll tell you what, though. Uh, where can everybody find you at?
0: Um, okay, so let's see. My website is visager.us. That's v i s -S a g e r. dot u s. But I'm probably like easiest, most easily reached on uh, Twitter um, at Visager Music.
1: Nice. And then you have you have your Bandcamp. Do you have anywhere else anybody can listen to your music?
0: Uh, Well, I still have the stuff on Free Music Archive. Um, I've got three albums over there, Um, and then I'm on Spotify and iTunes, like a real person.
1: And then, uh, how many albums out you have on iTunes and Bandcamp, for example? Uh,
0: well, iTunes is just Blossom Tales. Um, I just started like figuring out and that it was worth it to like put it up there, and like maybe some people prefer to download it that way. Uh, Bandcamp has I've got maybe twenty plus albums of different sizes, just from like all my past weird projects that I've done. Yeah. So those are all archived over there, and um,
1: yeah. Fantastic. And you can catch Cat with Monaco at catwithmonaco.com, or you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, oh, YouTube, at catwithmonaco.com. I'm sure I got all those social medias in there. I don't know how many I have, but all the important ones. Yeah. So I appreciate again, Josie, for coming out. She's... Thanks again for having me, Seth. Yeah. No problem. Well, hopefully you're not eating spaghettios tonight, but enjoy your evening. You too. Talk soon. Thank you.